If you're not a good communicator, good luck. I mean, even in this world of messaging and texting, if you can't communicate, you're screwed. It's a superpower. I mean, that, that was the whole idea of the liberal arts, being able to be an effective communicator so you can go out and do anything. And it's kind of skewed now to other things. But I think that was the original idea back, who knows, in the 70s and 60s, was be an effective communicator better than other people. Anybody can be an effective communicator. I don't care what you're doing. Sales, I don't care if you're selling cars. I don't care what you're doing. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Finding Fire podcast. I'm your host, Matt LaFlam. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Miller. And the Finding Fire podcast provides content that impacts individuals and hopes to inspire, educate, and motivate them to take action to achieve their personal and professional passions through consultations with entrepreneurs and professionals at the top of their game. Set. All set. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's Let's do it. All right. Yeah, man. Well, Dan, thank you for (laughs) joining us and taking time to sit down and tell us about yourself. Yeah, for sure. If you could introduce yourself and tell us what your company is and what you do. Sure. So my name is Dan Trailer. I am a licensed contractor and licensed here in the state of Minnesota and been pretty much focusing on the jobs anywhere from a dollar range of three to $50,000 seems to be my real niche. Um, people with crews, larger crews, they really don't want to take anything larger than that, I've noticed, because the profit margin isn't enough for their people. Mm-hmm. And um, there's just a lot of white space to pick up there. It's been really, really great. Yeah. So dealing with structural repairs to drywall repair to um, maintenance contracts with different condo associations up the shore, that type of thing. So it's been pretty cool. It's been pretty adventurous. Yeah. And primarily focused in the Duluth Twin Ports region or how far do you travel? Yeah. So I have gone as far as Ely and Tofty, depending on the client. So it all depends on how, how... how much I like my client, to be real blunt, you know? <laughs> yep, so I have some yep. great clients. Like I had, I had a maintenance contract with Chateau Laveau for a few years up in Tofty. That okay. was awesome because yeah. you get to stay up there. You get to see the lake. You wait, you know, they'll find a room for you if it's a couple-day yeah. project. And um, then up in Ely, clients that have a cabin up there that it's like, yeah, I'll work on your cabin. You know, I have to charge for my drive time. And they're like, no problem because yeah. anywhere north of Duluth trying to find you know, somebody that they trust that can go up there that's licensed, that's everything, you know, that's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard in that area. So they're like, yep, willing to pay for it. So I'm like, okay, cool, I'll do it. Yeah. And so, but going down, you know, who wants to go down towards Hinkley, right? So going up the shore is so pretty, dude. <laughs> yep. It's so Absolutely. nice, you know, and I think, man, would I travel south for an hour and a half? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> if I go up the shore, sure, I'll go past Split Rock. Hinkley really so. doesn't have a lot to offer. The I don't casino, know, man. Maybe. Oh, come on. It's like a pit stop. The bathroom <laughs> really break, is. Right? Toby's. Toby's and the caramel rolls. Dude, that's caramel it. Rolls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, absolutely. Yeah, you can feel the diabetes coming in, yeah, right? After yep. that caramel roll. Oh, totally. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but yeah. So, can you tell us your, your journey leading up to where you are? Now, like I know before this, we were talking about how you were an RN and think, were you in real realty before there? I did have my real estate license, yeah. Okay. I had my real estate license for seven years, uh, which was about five years too long, <laughs> and <laughs> was able to give that up. Um, basically, so I grew up as a farm kid over in western Minnesota, uh, milked cows for a living. My graduating class was 36 and, you know, a town of 800, and I realized if I didn't go to college, I'd be 
I did I just didn't want it that life. Mm-hmm. So yeah. went to went to community college and then eventually went to um, transferred to UMD. Had some friends here. They're like, dude, you would love it up here. I'd never been to Duluth, so oh. I came up over the Thompson Hill, and it was at night. Yeah. And of course, it was summertime. The lights, like, of mm-hmm. Superior, and you're seeing everything. I was just in awe. It was amazing. So I came over the hill, and I was sold. So then I'm like, I don't even care. I don't know what whatever I need to do to get to UMD. <laughs> so then I graduated there actually with a management information systems degree back in 2000. And then for two years, programmed computers and was just miserable. I was traveling the United States. I was a Hewlett Packard employee, actually. And we. Really? Yeah. So we were doing implementation of brand new technology for like credit card processing, that type of thing. So. Oh. The technologies weren't out yet, but we were implementing them and kind of writing the user manuals as it went. So I was coding for, you know, Coca-Cola, Georgia Pacific, Jim Beam Corporation, yeah. pretty cool places. But yeah. man, after you do that for six months, you realize that every hotel looks the same, every meal tastes the same, and mm. it's like, man, you're starting to gain weight, and you just, I just wasn't happy with my life, you know. And I started, I was newly married, and you know, my wife and I are still married, just you know. For just uh, what do you call that? For twenty years, yeah. so celebrating twenty years. So nice. we've been married Congrats. for a while. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, saw the guys that were ten years my senior, and mm-hmm. I'm like, man, if that's my life, this is gonna suck. So the only thing I wanted to do is work on my house on the weekends, mm-hmm. and literally, like, I'm not even joking. I'd fly into Atlanta or you know New Orleans or something like that, and I would try to find the Home Depot and I would go and study. Like, <laughs> I'd love the smell and like, oh, I wonder what that power to you know. And growing up on a farm, you would think you're accustomed to that stuff, but yeah, it's farm life. It's not construction. It's totally, life, so. totally different. Oh, dude, totally different. <laughs> the yeah. smell that is the thing. It's very different. It's, yeah. um, <laughs> Oh, the smell is different, yeah. But even Home Depot, like I'll go in there with my wife. I'm like, I love the smell. She's like, what? I was like, it's like Office Max almost too. Like they have a unique smell when you walk in there. It is. fantastic. You want to be able to harness it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, and so doing that, we made just a split decision of like, where do we go every week? We go back to Duluth anyway. My wife is from here. She grew up here. Okay. And we're like, we lived down in the cities for a year. And so I just made the rash decision. I just quit. Moved up here and started doing construction work with another friend. And he ended up um, getting hurt on a job site pretty bad. And so we kind of, he was in the hospital for a while. And uh, I kind of went out on more on my own. And we were, I mean, it's a classic story, man. We were flat broke. I didn't know what to do. My skill sets were pretty minimal mm-hmm. and started put an ad in the paper, right? Craigslist wasn't up yet. Yeah. So put an ad in the paper for refinishing hardwood floors. And then eventually grew to getting my license and then doing insurance jobs, and then doing some mold remediation jobs, and then a couple of government projects, and just kind of went from there. And it's been, it's been amazing. But one of my flaws was I, was I didn't like being a blue-collar worker. I didn't like that identity. Yeah, man, I, it was bad. I wrote that down before we started. Seriously? Like, did you always envision yourself in construction? Like, a lot of people look down on... Like blue collar workers, and from somebody mm-hmm. that is, you know, in real estate and an RN, like going to that type construction work, like thousand percent, thousand percent. I didn't really realize that probably till this summer because I was really thinking, like, what am I doing? Like, I'm doing all these different things. What am I running from? And I wanted to be fancy. Was the answer? That's what it kind of came down to. You know, you get <laughs> one of the beauties of of 
trying to sit down with yourself, you ask yourself, where am I screwing up in life? What am I doing that, that I absolutely don't like about my life? And that was one of the, you know, that was one of those questions that I was asking myself on a job site. And it's like, quit trying to be fancy, man. Every, you know, and putting the videos up, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, like that just yeah. reinforced that everybody loves seeing what that is. Yeah. And so it, and then I had other men tell me, they're like, I wish I knew how to do half the stuff you do. And I was like, really? This just seems like grunt work to me. And they're like, no, dude, I really wish I could, I knew how to do it. So I started to gain more self-respect that way. Mm -hmm. And so all of those, the RN piece, you know, is different. That was a different, um, different mentality for that. But the, the real estate, the management information systems, that was all trying to get away from my blue collar roots and being able to harness that and just accept it has been one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah. When you <clears throat> took that leap and just start off down this path, um, I guess we'll call it entrepreneurship. Can you just talk about like your your self awareness when you asked yourself that question of like, what am I doing right now that I'm not happy? Like, I bet a lot of us ask that question, but no, you don't act on it. Yeah, I'm like oh, I'll just deal with it tomorrow, or you know, deal with it the next day, and then the next day, and then they just don't do anything for sure. So <laughs> did you did you act pretty quickly, or was it like a process you went through? Like, all right, if I leave this and go on my own. Like what's going to happen? Or is it just like, nope, I'm going for it. I'm taking the leap. Yeah, I took the leap mainly out of being ignorant and young. It was one of those, we didn't have any kids. We had a cat, you know, that was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, We just made the decision. We sold the house, moved back to Duluth, bought a house here. It was the uh, stated income, you know, no verification loans. We got a house right away, no problem. Yeah, And it was just kind of one of those. And then to the other point is it was out of necessity because I was like, oh damn, I have to make some money. Yeah. Like, how am I going to do that for mm -hmm. real? And then all of a sudden, my wife's pregnant with our first kid. And then it gets, gets real, real fast. Time to go. <laughs> Time to roll, man. <laughs> yep. So that, that um, fear pressure is a good thing at yeah. certain times in your life. But what I noticed at Hewlett Packard was it's kind of a, it's, it's the Pareto distribution, right? It's m a very small subset of people are very successful at what they're doing there. Mm -hmm. And I started to see that office politics world where I don't play very well in that world. And I just don't do well. I don't do well with the, I send an email and with a question and you send an email back with another question that's like making sure that you don't have any responsibility in the actual result. I can't do, like <laughs> drove me bananas, dude. And so I didn't get along with some people in the office and I couldn't play well with others in the sandbox. And so that was kind of a, like, I probably shouldn't do this. I just I yeah. can't stand, you know, and it's a race to the bottom. Everybody's just kind of doing what they have to. And I get it. Like your paycheck's the same, whether you, really bang it out or whether you float by. Mm -hmm. That has repercussions, but in the moment it makes sense. And so that world, I, that's when entrepreneurship, I was like, boy, you get one for one results here. Like there were some really successful refinishing hardwood floors. That was where I started out because mm -hmm. I did them on my house and then started doing them on Craigslist. And I was like, wow, if I get this done a day earlier, if I put in two more hours, like I started to do the math and I'm like, oh, I can take that day off or I can go do another bid or, and it just started compound. And then I'm starting to make real money, like mm -hmm. not just paying bills, not just living paycheck to paycheck. Right. That was pretty dope. Then I was hooked. Yeah. So then your input is a direct result of your output. I think that's like one of the best things about sales for me throughout my career. It was paycheck to paycheck and the better you got the more money you made and that first time you're like you look at your bank account you're like holy cow i'm making real money here we go <laughs> this is like, legit that's such that's such an amazing feeling yeah and 
you know, being proud of that. I, yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people really enjoy that, I think. But the downside is you're in charge, you know, so if you mess up on something, it's, it's your ass. And that's, that's, that's real. But in a W-2 wage job, that's real too. You can only do that so many times before you're not valuable to the corporation. Right. So I think we get real romantic about the idea of job security. And I think that narrative is washing away a little bit more. But the idea that, well, I'm a W-2 employee and like I've heard Dave Ramsey say is like, try not showing up for three days and see what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, your job security is not so secure anymore. So I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe this self-employment thing isn't as risky as I think it is. So, yeah. Yeah. So you started going out, doing your own bids, doing construction. You kind of separated from your partner, and you're on your own. And then you kind of mentioned it already, but you were in real estate. You were an RN. At what point, why did you walk away from the construction world, I guess? Yeah. Where did, where did that play in? You hear this narrative among blue-collar workers like, oh, my body, right? You're giving your body to the trade. And that was a narrative that I'd held like, man, I gotta, I don't want to get hurt in the job site. You know, I better, okay, I want to work indoors. I don't want to be outside. I don't want to cut my hand off and all these different things. And, you know, a lot of the last four years of my life has really been turning narratives or storylines that I tell myself and really challenging them. And it's like, is the construction the problem or is it the fact that you smoke, or is it the fact that you smoke two packs of cigarettes a day the problem? Mm. The fact that you have a big gut that is the problem. Maybe that's the problem, not construction. And when I started to, so then, you know, I graduated with my RN in February, a year ago. Dang. And uh, I realized at the hospital, nurses are talking about their backs because they're trying to lift somebody that's, you know, 300 pounds or they're trying to help somebody this and that. And it's like, oh, this isn't just a construction thing. So if anything, it's, it was that narrative of I could hurt myself, get out now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and my wife pointed out at one point, she goes, I'm just letting you know that when you come home from a construction project, you're way more grounded. You're way more happy basically. Hmm. And I was like, man, I better listen to that. Yeah. She knows me pretty well. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so that was, that was for real. And then hearing other men specifically say that, you know, like I said before, I wish I knew how to do what you do. And just imagine how much it would cost if I did, you know, how much would you charge if you had to do this? Cause I'd help people put in a door or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, I'd be about 1100 bucks. What are you kidding me? So, you know, then, then I start to think long term. Like, well, mm-hmm. where's where can my skill set go? What if we do buy a condo in Whitefish? What if we like, let's take the blinders off and actually go with this? Could I, you know, put together a one bedroom house out, you know, just outside of town and sell it yeah. uh, with my skill set? And the answer is absolutely yes, because I'm not a paper contractor. I'm the guy that wears the tool belt, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah, awesome. I love that it was those small things that people said to you that kind of, would you say, was that your light bulb moment of like, how do you, I wish I can, and I said to some of our friends too that are super handy, I can install a door for you or put a, a piece of siding on, like stuff like that that just doesn't come natural to people like myself. <laughs> I'm sure you can attest to that, Matt. Um, just that kind of stuff that you assume people know how to do, but they just don't. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I used to poo-poo it, right? Used Mm -hmm. to be like, yeah, whatever. Okay, you're just worried about saving money. But then no, my very first experience of like a social media presence was my wife and I were selling our house and I was 
the last thing we were doing was redoing the kitchen. And the kitchen was super small. It had maybe 12 cabinets in it at most. It was really small. So I posted pictures every day of the progress because I thought, ah, I don't even know why I did it. I had three people legit call me. So you know if they're calling you, there's that many more, however many more that aren't calling you. And they're Mm -hmm. like, is that in succession? Did you do that like that day? And I said, yeah. They're like, are you kidding me? That's so fast. And I'm like, it is? I didn't even know. You know, sometimes you just don't know. And that was my first catalyst of going, I've got, I've got something here, you know, and I'm not very good. I mean, obviously I have got a little vibrato right now, but I'm not very good at tuning my own horn. So I have to see it from other people's, you know, sometimes you see yourself through the lens of somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that was like, I've got something here and I shouldn't just flippantly try something new. Like, you know, I was into my real estate career. I really didn't like it that much. And if you don't, especially if you don't like sales, I'm sure the client can smell it, yeah, you know, yeah. right. <laughs> and then pretty soon you just start getting resentful and you start, you know, people are asking, why did they paint the room this color? And I'm like, I don't know. Who cares? You know? <laughs> and that was my attitude towards the end. And I'm like, I better get out of this. <laughs> I had better get out. So yeah. Oh. Now I get called. And so then I got a great network from realtors because I know a lot of them and now they hire me for consultations or, you know, Hey, we did a final walkthrough and the skylight's leaking and we need to, you know, can you come and give us a professional opinion on this? We're asking for money off or whatever. And so that's pretty cool. That's amazing to walk in and be able to have that. Like I have no interest in either party. I'm just letting you know what I believe with my expertise and that somebody's actually willing to pay for that expertise. That's kind of cool. (laughs) You know, I like that. Yeah, a little bit of consulting work. Feels good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you walk out, you know, you come out of the van, you've got your, you know, blue collar clothes on and you're walking in. And at first I used to think, oh man, I got to change clothes. I got to look nice. Like even if you called me on a job site to look for a bid, I'd, I have my Bluetooth earbuds in. I'm listening to either podcast or music or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I used to try to walk outside so I wasn't interrupted by tools or I wasn't. And I'm like, I'll bet you. People really like the fact that I'm the one that's going to be doing the job, not a subcontractor, not somebody that I hire, and then that you don't know who's going to show up, and I'm just going to come by once in a while. So I just kept working. I just keep working through if somebody's on the phone, and people don't care. I think they almost appreciate it more, that they're like, oh, this is the dude. This is the guy that's going to be putting in my window. That's produced real fruit. That locks in a lot of jobs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to ask, how do you go about getting like your client base? What's your, do you have a good process that you've nailed down that you think is like, this is really working for me? One thing I learned is answer your phone. (laughs) Doesn't matter if you're in the bathroom, in the car or jogging, answer your phone. And that's been, you know, that beats out 99% of the competition among contractors. When I get somebody on the phone, they're like, oh my God, there's a person, you know, like I've left so many, you get those stories left. I left so many messages, but now I'm thankfully I've got some wind in my sails with the videos that I put out on Facebook. People watch those pretty much to the point where anywhere that I go, People know me and they're like, hey, how'd that project go? And I'm like, you watch that stuff? <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't even, you really watch that? We got to come back to talk about your videos. Right on, brother. <laughs> so so I have I have enough time into it. And if there's any anybody listening to this that is an entrepreneur thinking, man, I'm in this three years. I've been doing this for 15 years. You know, so 
it's kind of what you do in the dark, right? When nobody's mm-hmm. watching that produces the results. It's not showtime that you you want to have your A game. It's you want to be practicing. So it's just incremental small movements, right? So I got noise canceling Bose headphones. Sounds crazy wearing 300 some plus dollar headphones on the job site, but they sound okay and they sound good. So anytime I don't even look at the caller ID, I just answer the phone. Hey, I was referred to you by so-and-so, would you be willing to? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'll get my calendar out and that's all I need. The So I, it, I, I'm not, I feel like I'm not really answering no. your question. I wish it was more complicated than that, but it's really not. No, I, I love it. And I think you just super organic. You just. That's our intro for this podcast, I think. Is that line right there. That was awesome. <laughs> right on. I'm just going to throw something here as well. So whether you're an entrepreneur or if you're in any type of sales or customer-facing position, like your interaction with people and being prompt makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. This morning, I was at Duluth Grill having breakfast. A phone number came up. It didn't come up as like potential spam, so I'm like, Ah, we just got our food, but all right, I'm going to answer it. Picked it up. He's like, I've called other companies all week long. You're the first person to pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. Isn't that wild? And I was like, perfect. Well, what do you need? And we had a two-minute conversation. I said, hey, I'm about to step into a meeting. Can I send you an email with the information after? I close the sale this afternoon. That's dope. So, yeah, just picking up the phone. That's so wild to think about where we have the phone in our pocket now. We're not even tied to a desk yeah. and people yeah. aren't answering. Yep. That's mind-blowing. Right. That you could be anywhere, whether you're a W-2 wage sales employee or whatever it ends up being, commission-based or whatever, and you're not answering your phone. I get you can you need to have boundaries with it, right? Like I struggle with boundaries with my phone probably just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. But by golly, if you're somebody's calling, you better pick that sucker up. Yeah. You yeah. know? Otherwise your competition is. Yeah. And talk to them. Yeah. Like legit talk, just be a human. Mm-hmm. Yep. So no, none of this. One thing I don't do, and it's because I have you know wind in my sails, is somebody messages me on Facebook, I will push back and go, absolutely, give me a call. Interestingly enough, about 80% of those never call because I don't think they're vested. It's like, yeah, come on over after we're eating dinner. Not going to happen because I'm eating dinner. So some, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like yeah, for sure. some professions don't have that luxury. Realtors definitely don't have that luxury. It's like, yeah. I'll just call somebody else. Right. But contractors, I mean, just finished doing continuing ed for the contractor's license. Department of Labor said there's 7,000 less licensed contractors applying these last two years than the years before. So wow. in my mind, I'm like, that's pretty awesome because my competition just right. got 7,000 people less in the state of Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. And... I had asked probably about four four years ago now, the city inspector for the city of Duluth. I said, how many guys my age are there out there? And um, am I the oldest, the youngest? And he goes, dude, you're about the youngest. And I was 40, maybe 39 at the time. Yeah. And you you have the typical entrance into construction where... And I don't mean this to be funny in any way, but you know, felons sometimes yeah. it's super difficult for somebody with a felony to get a job, and so they end up doing dangerous work. And mm-hmm. what do they usually end up doing? It's either, you know, tar work or yeah. roofing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he said, "Well, there's a few roofers that are younger than you, but that's about it." And I was like, "That sounds great to me. Yeah. That just sounds like the competition just got." He goes, "Yeah, nobody's getting into it." And I thought, well. Regardless of how much technology is here, regardless of how much AI, robots, anything, we still need a place to put our bodies, yep. and that will never go away. And I don't see robotics taking over 
repairing property. I see it taking over building new. I could see mm-hmm. that. That's, you know, tiny homes or, you know, framing up houses. I could, I mean, there's robots that they're testing doing that stuff yeah. now, but not structural repairs in the basement of a hundred year old house in Duluth. That's not going to be taken over by it. So maybe the equipment, but not the actual. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. You're going to have to have the knowledge of what to do. How much can you, you know, how many tons is this house? How much can you put all that stuff that can go through your head is you you just can't replace. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have kids that are oldest is almost 18 and it's a real conversation, you know, Mm -hmm. going to the trades, like what does college look like? I think COVID really threw that world upside down. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. conversation was already happening, right? Like what's the benefit of a degree these days? Unless yeah. it's specific, like an RN, you're a doctor. Yep. Communications degree, good luck. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's get real. It's BS, dog. Like 60 grand and you're going to come out with a communications degree? What are you going to do? Right. So not that it, what are you going to do that you couldn't have learned being an apprentice somewhere or having a mentor? Exactly. So I think the colleges are in real trouble. And I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that I'm in the position of I don't want to help my daughter or son get into 60 grand worth of debt or help pay for it and not know what the result's going to be. Yeah. I think it's a real conversation we're having these days, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. In your continuing ed, did they talk about the reasoning behind why there was so few people applying? No. Like I find it really interesting because that same conversation of everybody is going or leaning towards the trades right now. Like it seems like that's becoming more prevalent again. Like college is lessening, trades are going up. I would have thought it would have been 7,000 higher versus less. Right. The only way I can, the only observation, this is just personal observation, they don't have necessarily that data, so Department of Labor doesn't know that, but seeing the people that are in it, there's a, something that happened where there's a um, age gap. A lot of the guys that are still in it, super experienced, might have three or four employees. They don't really do, they're more of a paper contractor now and they sub a lot of stuff out. Mm -hmm. They're in their 60s. Not a lot of dudes in their 50s that I see. And then you have kind of a few scragglers in their 40s. And so for some reason, I don't know whether something happened in the 80s or whatever that a lot of people didn't get into it or it just wasn't that sexy or whatever ended up happening. That's just a personal observation. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I, I think it is. There's an age gap. And I think um, I think there's a lot of stigma around it, one. And two, people think it's super complicated. <laughs> and it's not. I could, oh, man, I could set up a guy one of the easiest ways to start the least amount of risk would be drywall repair. I remember my very first time I heard somebody say, I hate drywall. I absolutely hate doing drywall work. And I'm like, huh, what if I learned that? What if I learned that? What if I got good at it? I'll Mm -hmm. bet you there'd be an, you know, I just had this thought process and I hated it. I couldn't stand (laughs) it. And now all of a sudden I'm really good at it. And there is minimal risk. You have, you know, I could start, you could make $75,000 a year Easily by doing it, not busting your ass, and uh, I guarantee you could make up to one hundred fifty thousand a year, and you would have more than enough work. Absolutely. So that's just one example. You know, drywall repair, minimal cost. It's mostly labor. So if you mess it up, like concrete is more half of the job is material cost. So if you mess up that, you're kind of screwed. Like you have to jackhammer up part of a driveway. That's a bummer. But you mess up a drywall job, big deal. You messed up maybe $17 worth of material in your time. So what? Mm -hmm. So 
Um, I think that's something really to look at. And yeah, the trades, like, can you imagine like going to, going to welding, getting a welding certificate and making 80 bucks an hour right out of school? That'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's <laughs> happening. You right. Know? right. So, and you don't have to travel. You don't, you know, everybody thinks that the pipeline or something It's like, no, you don't have to be a pipeliner. You could go anywhere with that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I know a guy, a, a welder right now, he has his own shop, but he does just fine just for himself. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a really good living around here. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Well, <clears throat> transition to those videos that we've been talking about. Um, those of you listening, if you're not driving, press pause. What's your Facebook page name? Capic Inc. And so K-A-P-I-K. And, or you could search my name, Dan Trailer, and it should pop up. Okay. I, yeah. Watch one of those and then come back to this episode. But my experience, like when we first interacted, it was over Facebook Messenger. And then what you just said before, like, call me. So we called you and we set this up. Oh, did I do that to you too? Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. If anything, call me. And then I called you and you're driving back from Montana. I was like, and you picked up your phone. No, anyway, that's right. So this is all connecting. <laughs> right on. Um, but your journey from your Facebook videos, and then I went to your website, and just now talking to you in person, it's the same story. It's you're not your Facebook isn't different from your website or like the the content. And then talking to you, you're the same person. I find that very just a competitive advantage for you, especially being a contractor. You just don't see a lot of or any contractors doing that, having a nice looking website really good videos where we talked off the podcast about this of you just you're talking to the person at at their level that might not know a lot about contracting work but starting those videos like why why did you start doing them and i guess where'd you get the idea yeah well first thank you for that that's yeah that's very good feedback um i'm a fan of gary vaynerchuk and Yes. I've listened to hours and hours and hours, right? One of his lines is, same. I don't know how many ways or how many times I have to tell you this same information, and I've heard the same lines over and over. So first thing that I experienced that I heard him say was, if you're not, um, the first one in front of the customer wins. And so what happens is we get, we get kind of sexified into getting like lead generation services. Like, oh man, they can do it for me. Mm-hmm. So for realtors, it was Zillow and Realtor. For contractors, it's Angie's list. And so I signed up for Angie's list. And going through the vetting process, you you pick out what categories. I'm getting leads. I'm paying anywhere between 15 to $80 per lead that comes through, regardless if you get the job or not. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is cool. I'm getting a lot of jobs. I'm landing a lot of them, so it's worth it. But I'm spending, you know, anywhere between five to two thousand dollars, five hundred dollars to two thousand dollars a month on leads. Yeah. And then I heard that statement, and he's like, "If you're not building your brand, you're screwed." Because the instant they raise their prices, you can bitch all you want, but you're their bitch. And I was yeah. like, "Oh, I don't like that." <laughs> and so I didn't, and I experienced that as a realtor spending. Mm-hmm. You know, you you pick out a zip code that you want to be a part of, super expensive. And there are realtors that are not building brands. They're specifically mm-hmm. holding on to the fact that that's a lead gen service. Well, what happens if they triple the rates? You're going to pay it or you're going to be out of business. Yeah. So then the second thing he said was, I don't know what excuse you have. And for me, it was technology. I don't have the right camera. I don't have the right microphone. I don't have editing software. Uh, it's not 4K. I don't know where to upload it. I've never done it before. Nobody yep. cares. And the last then video that I saw, he goes, I put all of this, I made this whole video on my iPhone. Now you have no excuse. Yep. I was like, damn. 
Yeah. That's legit. (laughs) And so, and by that time I was, it was the catalyst. That was the catalyst. And COVID hit. So I'm sitting in my chair going, might as well try to find a free video editing software. Like the the worlds kind of collided all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I did some project and my, my very first video, I look back, it's probably like how you guys feel about the first podcast. Yeah. I look at it and I just kind of chuckle because I'm like, damn, that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and now that then, so I learned how to do it. I knew if it wasn't going to be simple, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. So I have an iPhone. I found a free video editing app and I just started playing with it. And I think I made a video of my dog or something like that. And then I started messing with it. And then I bought a $10 tripod from Target and set it up in my basement. I made a shelving rack and then... It turned into, this is super cool. Then it turned into going down to certain stores, like shout out to London Road Rental. I go down there all the time. And they're like, dude, that project that you did. And I'm like, really? You watch this crap? And they're like, every one of them. We love them. And then more people are saying that. And so then I bought a Mac. And then I started learning iMovie. And then, and then, and then, and now it's... How can I schedule a post? How can I pay? So I pay for advertising. How can I schedule an ad on Facebook? Mm-hmm. And for $25, I can get over 2,000 impressions or views of that video. Yep. Where else? And I can target people. Like it's mind blowing mm-hmm. the level of detail you can get to. Yeah. And so now that I do it, it's super simple. I mean, I can bust out, you know, I've got videos on my phone of work that I did this week. I'll go home this weekend. I'll wake up early on Saturday. I'll spend 45 minutes, upload it to everywhere, and boom, it's done. And it's just a lot of fun, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're on the job site, when you're, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but when you're videoing yourself, you're a little more on point. Yeah. You're making sure you're saying the right things. Mm-hmm. It kind of sharpens your pencil a little bit. Like, right. Yeah, maybe I could get the, you know, am I getting this done faster? Because I need to keep this video going here. Mm -hmm. And so it really helps all the way around. And so building that, I truly feel like I have a brand now. Like you mentioned, the, and I made all of it. So I, you know, like Gary Vee says, don't hire your 12-year-old niece to do this. You need to be the one learning how to do it. And so I put the website together. And of course I have a programming background, but that's, 15, 20 years ago. Like, but sure. I have the bases. Mm-hmm. So I put the website together and then my Facebook business page and then uploading it and all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the same personality on any platform. Cool. Yeah. So props to you on that. Right on. That's cool to mm-hmm. hear. My favorite part about these videos is the education aspect. You're not just selling people on yourself or yeah. your business or what you can do for them. You are actually providing like real education. Like, hey, this is how we're going to do these footings, normally a footing is done with an auger, you drill a hole, but this is how we are going to do these footings. Like, I had no idea that you could do footings any other way. So that was super intriguing, like watching that video and being like, oh, I just learned something from this guy. Wow. Like, that's awesome. Cool. So yeah. I, that's my favorite part. Yeah. And when I thought, I thought, I love watching this old house, right? You love watching the progress or the mm-hmm. way, regardless if you have a construction background. Yeah. But it's so not tangible. Yeah, we have a $3 million remodel on this house in Boston. That doesn't resonate with anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, what about the guy that's trying to repair his drywall in his kitchen because he ran into it with something? That's tangible. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. And anywhere from two to five minutes long, try not to go more than five because I think after five minutes, it starts to get redundant. I've done 10 minute videos and it's like, oh man, I'm even sick of watching myself. <laughs> so I don't want to watch this. Nobody else is going to want to watch it. So, yeah, trying to keep them succinct. 
trying to watch the process and really trying to provide like you know, provide value. Mm-hmm. We hate being sold to. We get sold to all the time. Your yeah. Facebook feed, every other post is an ad, a sponsored ad. Yep. People are sick of it. And mm-hmm. so, um, and that's weird because a lot of even small businesses around here sell. They don't brand. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. We don't like to be sold to, but yet when we have a business, we want to sell. Because what? It's the instant gratification of the money, we think. Right. But it just turns people off. Yeah. I don't think people like it. Like, if I, Call me. I'm your guy. Spring's coming up. I have an opening in my schedule. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody cares. What value are you going to provide Yeah. yeah. With, with a pitch like that? Good. You don't have any work. <laughs> Why should I hire you? Right. You know, that's basically what I think. That's what I think when I see people like, yeah, we have an open, you know, and I see it with other companies that, and try not to make it too professional. I think people just get too romantic about it needs to be professional. It needs to be for, it needs to be edited professionally. It needs to have background music. Now mine have, has those, but it's not overproduced, I don't think. And right. I think that's a real delicate balance. If it is overproduced, it feels fake. Mm-hmm. It's like a commercial. But mm-hmm. if it's not, it's like, I think that's, Oh, I feel like I'm at home here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, would you say, so say you get a, a call or a lead, whether it's, hey, I watched one of your videos or I checked out your website or somebody just referred me to you. Will you, I don't want to just say take any job, but how big is the importance of like that relationship with a client and the job? Huge. Huge. And Going back to, you know, I didn't have that luxury of not taking on certain clients in the beginning because mm-hmm. you have to pay you have to pay your bills. But now I get, I'll bet you I get anywhere between one to three calls a day. Wow. And of, hey, would you be willing to? And um, I push back and I'll say, what's your timeline? Can you describe what you want? And if they're in the design phase, like you can kind of sense if somebody just wants ideas. Mm-hmm. And... That was going to sound bad. I just don't have time. I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and pontificate on whether you should have hickory or oak cabinets. I'm yeah. just not. Mm-hmm. So I'll ask those questions, and I can get a sense of how serious is the person. Um, and usually if they're calling, they have the money set aside. Like, that's good. And so I will push them on the phone and say, do you have your pet cabinets picked out? What's your timeline? Yeah. Do you need to have it done right now? Um, can you wait three weeks? You know, those types of things. And if, if those are fluid answers, but if I start to get hesitation, I'll start to drill down on that and go, okay, well, are you the decision maker? All right. Oh, it's for your daughter. Oh, you don't own the house yet. Mm -hmm. Oh, you want me to take a look? Oh, okay. I'll tell you what. And one of the things that I started to do was charge for people wanting me to take a look at a house they're potentially going to buy. Yeah. And that, 100% 100% of the time never lands a job <laughs> because yeah. A, they have to land it first mm-hmm. and they kind of want to have your information for free. They don't want to, it's going to sound bad, but they don't necessarily want to pay for the home inspector. They want yep. you to go through it first to see if it's worth. And I just tell people, absolutely, I would love to come through. So in the situation, you call me up and say, and I, we get down to it like, do you own the home? Nope, we're just looking. Have you put in an offer? Mm, we're thinking about it. Cool. I'll tell you what, it'll be a $300 consultation fee. And if you hire me for any work that's done after that, I will take that $300 off. Mm -hmm. And that's worked out great. Yeah. Surprisingly, everybody's literally, everybody's willing to pay that. Mm -hmm. And so 
that's, that's decent money. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's another definitely chunk. And um, it just helps solidify. The realtor doesn't have to worry about it. That's in a right. real estate. They don't have to worry about being the point of, of um, confrontation. They can say they can call me and yeah. ask me, and I have zero vested interest in the whole thing. So it works out really well. So actually, to be real honest, I'm not quite sure what you asked. <laughs> that's where we <laughs> came to for the answer. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, you nailed it. What would you say the best part about being an entrepreneur is? I love the freedom and the freedom and I love the immediate you're you're in charge of your immediate results. Um, you win big, you get paid big, that's yours. Mm-hmm. And also the freedom of I love downhill skiing. Just it's nice. one of my passions. If there's a now and I'm kind of turning into a bitch skier where it's like if there's no <laughs> if there's not powder I don't want to go <laughs> and so but we've I've got a you know I ski patrol up at Lutzen I've got a season pass at Lutzen all my kids ski like we're all in and so if there's powder I want to go in the morning and I don't I, I have that luxury of not showing up to the job site till one in the afternoon mm-hmm. and um, I love the idea of being a solopreneur where I don't have employees and. I have that, so I don't have somebody knocking on my door at eight thirty, going, "What are we doing today?" Yeah, and you're like, "Damn it, I wanted to go skiing." You know, <laughs> that's one of the reasons I do it is my personality. I love that flexibility, and if I want to hammer out a job because my family's doing something or visiting grandma or whatever, yep. Hey, if I get this done today, I can literally take tomorrow off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I love that. Yeah, love that part. Yeah, yep. On the flip side, what's the most challenging part of being a solopreneur? It's all on you. It is all on you. And there are timelines. And I'm very sensitive to that, especially for a bathroom remodel. And it's the only bathroom in the house. You better get that sucker done. That thing better not drag out (laughs) because where are they going to go to the bathroom? They're living in it, you know? And people are patient to a point. But um, rain or shine, that sucker needs to be done. And I take that seriously. Yeah. Um, And so if it's a, you, you know, that part I don't like because I don't like to be real blunt. I don't like the feeling of being under somebody's thumb. Mm-hmm. But there are certain situations you just have to get the shit done. Yeah, and it's not fun. It's not sexy, and you're tired, and maybe you messed up on the bid. You know th- that that part sucks. Yeah. or expectations aren't met, and you're having to give money off of the job because of whatever reason it starts to head south pretty fast. Yeah. Those ones suck. That yeah. sucks. You can't, there's no boss. There's nobody to go, hey, I need yep. you to do this. The, exactly. the, the customer's mad and then you hang up and go home. Yeah. It's all you. Yep. That's the it's the the side of entrepreneurship that just a lot of people don't hear. They hear the the good all the time, but not like that point exactly. I think you hit it right on was it is all on you. And if there's a complaint or somebody's bitching at you or I want my money back and I'm going to badmouth you or whatever it is. Like, there's no going to your boss or here, manager, here's the situation of what happened. Mm-hmm. No, it's, you got to take the hard conversations. Oh, yeah. You have to take the hard conversations. And I am a huge proponent of counseling. And I wish more people got counseling because you would learn how to set boundaries. And you learn how to, like, I've had very infrequent, but sometimes contentious conversations with clients. And it's, you know, during the if it's confrontational during the bid process, whoo, I'm not your guy. Yeah, and it's right. <laughs> such a beautiful thing to say, I can appreciate all of this, you know, but I'm not your guy. And 
I would highly recommend calling somebody else. You have a recommendation? Sure don't. Because <laughs> not every, I think we're, we're too far, we've gone too far to the realm of the customer's always right. Yeah. And the customer's not always right. Some customers are downright crazy. And um, being able to sniff that out ahead of time will save you a lot of headache in the end. Yeah. Not every job has to be taken. Right. And if you're the boss, you have the choice of doing that. But if you're not, then you have to be there with yeah. their crazy dog that's barking at you all day. <laughs> or with you're doing siding and there's dog crap all over the yard and you're like, I don't want to deal with this. Yep. But if you're the employee, guess who's stepping in dog shit all day? <laughs> it's going to be you. So, yeah, it kind of all ties together. Right on. What would you say is your superpower? <clears throat> what makes you successful? Communication and counseling. The skill set's easy, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the peripheral stuff, setting boundaries, knowing what your limitations are, <clears throat> um, understanding why you're doing it, understanding what the bigger picture is in life. I really get into that stuff. I really love the philosophical piece of it. Why am I doing this? Because I've had the opportunity of hitting rock bottom. And um, that um, comes, it can be very painful and it can be very eye-opening. It can be some of the best things that ever happened to you. And I would, but I, going back to a very specific thing you're talking, if you're not a good communicator, good luck. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in this world of messaging and texting, if you can't communicate, you're screwed. Yeah, It's a superpower. I mean, that, that was the whole idea of the liberal arts, being able to be an effective communicator so you can go out and do anything. And it's kind of skewed now to other things. But I think that was the original idea back, who knows, in the 70s and 60s, was be an effective communicator better than other people. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say, if there's anything to hone in on, be part of a club that forces you to public speak. I had the option of, I did a lot of theater in in community college. So that really helped. I played trumpet. I was in the jazz band and that performance, you know, it can help you put on a facade. Yeah. But if you're confident and get enough counseling and you can kind of marry those two together and go, no, like, like you mentioned, like that's a super amazing compliment. Like what you see here is what you expected because of what you saw on the web. Yep. Not ju- it wasn't just an avatar of me. Mm-hmm. Like that is me. Yeah. Um, and so I would say that if anybody can be an effective communicator, I don't care what you're doing. Sales, I don't care if you're selling cars, I don't care what you're doing. Yep. Communication. Almost, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And not, not be afraid to over communicate too. I think in in my job, I know if I haven't talked to a client in two weeks, I'll just pop in and be like, hey, I know it's been like three days, almost a week, but here's where we are. I might not get a response, or I might be like, "Great, thanks for the update." But in the long run, like I don't want them to feel like they were in the dark. Very or, few people do that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And if you just give them reasons, it doesn't have to be a dissertation. Yeah, they don't have to know everything. Nope. But everybody's so laid back these days. Like, oh, the, the technology will take care of it. No, it won't. Yeah, you have to take care of it. How does that work? Don't send them a text. Call them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's missed yeah. these days. So you had brought it up just a moment ago, but can you give us a 30,000 foot overview of your rock bottom, kind of how you heard about us and maybe how you overcame that challenge that you had? For sure. Yeah. Let's see. So I am an alcoholic and alcohol is no good for me. So in 2016, so up until I'd started drinking probably in college And for it just kind of like, I remember, I'll never forget, man, I got a D in accounting. And I remember 
wow, my roommate has sour apple pucker. I think that's what it was called. It was just nasty. (laughs) And I drank that, that bitch down and I felt good. I forgot about it. I was like, oh, that worked. And then it just kind of progressed. And so over the course of, you know, 20 years, it started to progress. And then it's kind of skyrocketed towards 2015 and 16. I was acting out. I was doing things that, yeah, you just, you just hope you never do again. Mm-hmm. And the alcohol consumption skyrocketed. I was angry. I didn't know who I was. Literally felt like I wasn't in my own skin. It was really a bizarre feeling. And I would drive up to my house in Lakeside and the nicer part of town with a two bedroom, three bedroom house, the detached two stall garage with the flag in the front and the pine tree. And I hated everything about it. I'm like, why am I here? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. And those questions I could never get answers to. And then my rock bottom moment was I had to tell my wife about some things that were going on. And then I literally was sitting, I'll never forget where I was sitting. And I'm like, I audibly told myself, you are so full of shit and the alcohol has to go. And I had all the ice fishing stuff in the world. It was <laughs> dialed in, like I could put it in the back of my construction man, I could pull it out, it was, everything was there. I didn't, in a Saturday night, I watched Saturday Night Live, I'd drink four, five, six, seven beers, and I didn't go once in three years. <laughs> like you are so full of it. You aren't chasing any of your dreams, you don't even know what your dreams are. And so I started to tear down every belief system that I, or challenge them at least. And so that moment, that night, yeah, I just made a decision. I'm like, this has got to go because I, I don't even know which way is up right now. Yeah. Um, some people decide to change and some people don't. And I've had the privilege of, you know, I went to recovery meetings here in town for two years, was on the leadership team there. And I remember my very first test, like my counselor said, you would really benefit from going to celebrate recovery. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it sounds horrible, yeah. you know? And she goes, just saying, and she wasn't wrong about stuff up until that point. Mm-hmm. So I trusted her and I'm like, well, obviously what I'm choosing to do is not the best thing. Went there, heard my first testimony. The testimony that I heard this lady is talking about, Oh man, it was like she was a heroin user and she was sleeping with her boss and she lost her kids and all these different, like this cascade of catastrophic events. And to me, I was like, that makes so much sense because everybody I felt like I was talking to was just so full of like putting on a front of what they are instead of actually seeing the person. I'm like, just something in my head isn't Mm -hmm. matching up. And that's why I love those deep conversations of like, what's actually going on? Oh, you switched careers? No, you got fired because you didn't show up because you ended up leaving because, because, because. That's yeah. the story. And that's human. Like we all, we all yearn for that. Mm-hmm. And so hearing those authentic stories led me to wanting to keep going down that road. And it helped me start to really, why did I get married? Why did I choose the person that I did? Why am I living in Duluth? Why did I decide to? And all the way to what we had talked about before, I remember challenging myself, why am I running from this construction? Why am I doing real estate? Why am I getting my RN? Um, Because I remember a very specific conversation that popped into my head that I had buried. And it was from somebody in my high school that was an adult Mm -hmm. and... I was a smart ass kid and uh, they basically looked at me and said, you're going to be, you're never going to amount to anything other than a simple farm kid. And I was like, that's it. 
could that be that powerful of a statement mm. that that could change the trajectory of how I view myself? And I, the only analysis I came up to was, yeah, I keep running from this construction thing. I've mm -hmm. been doing it like it's the underlying underpinning thing and I keep running away from it. What am I doing? Because nothing else is working. So, um, and then, oof, my EMT. So I got my EMT. So I'm 2016, stopped, end of 2016, stopped. This is going to be a little long, so let me know if this is too much. No, go good. for but it. But we, end of 2016, I stopped drinking. And thankfully, I had signed up for a night class at Lake Superior College for an EMT class. Okay. So I had had certain situations in my life that I came across somebody that was injured, uh, my kids had been injured before. I knew nothing. I didn't know CPR. If somebody if somebody passed out, I'd be like, I hope my phone works. I hope somebody else comes. And yeah. I'm like, I need to be the one that knows how to do that. So I signed up for the EMT class when I was still drinking. Then all of that. So now I'm doing a night class. I'm literally holding on to the desk every night going, so this is what it's like to be newly sober. And my mind is exploding with ideas mm. because you're suppressing yourself all those years, yeah. you know? And so the further along in that EMT class that I got, I was like, man, I love this. You're learning how to revive people. You're learning how to maintain an airway. You're learning how to assess somebody that might be having, you know, do they have a heroin <laughs> overdose or are you sleeping? Like to know those things is amazing. And then the catalyst for me, going back to the authenticity piece, was doing clinicals on the ambulance. We were required to do those. And... We were doing a transfer, and I'll keep this very, so I protect HIPAA and everything. Yep. But the patient, we were transferring, she's gonna be an hour in the ambulance with me. And she had had COPD and pneumonia at the same time. Bad combination. Mm, yeah. She is not doing well. And had to transfer her for a higher level of care. Get in the ambulance, it's my very first time being in an ambulance, the very first time. And I have the, the firefighter outfit on, so like she couldn't tell. She just couldn't yep. tell me from anybody. <clears throat> We get in there, we load her up, we're driving down the road from the emergency department in the small town. And she goes, you see that car back there? Because you have the windows in the back door and she's facing looking back. And I mm -hmm. look back and I'm checking her blood pressure. I'm thinking she's going to ask me something about her body. And I said, yeah, I see that car. She goes, that's my son. And he's 39. So, and I was 40. And she goes, he's gay. And... I just wish he would move to the Twin Cities and find a boyfriend. And I looked at her and she looks, you know how somebody looks at you and it's like they're looking into your soul. Mm -hmm. And she looks at me and she goes, I just want him to be happy. And I could tell that she felt bad for her physical condition and she was confessing the fact that her son had to take care of her and couldn't move on with his own life. That's where life is at for me. That, uh, that level of vulnerability, mm -hmm. I was just hooked. I was like, that's, that's amazing. She doesn't care what her oxygen saturation is. She doesn't care what her blood pressure is. She doesn't care if she's cyanotic. She yeah. cares about her son. And that hit home. And so then I talked to my, inst my instructor, EMT instructor, and she was salty, man. She was legit. OG, <laughs> she started the, you know... Um, flight program back in the eighties, like she knew her shit. Yeah. And so she was, she said, go get your RN. And the way she said it was like, okay, you know? And so I'm like, well, do I get my paramedic? Do I get my R? And I just kind of kept going. And so learning about the body, anatomy and physiology. And I went to Lake Superior College, 
uh, went through the RN program, went through, and then COVID, it was halfway through. Yeah. Graduated, um, started working on a critical care floor a year ago, literally, uh, at Essentia, and loved it. I love being a nurse and taking people that have GI bleeds and pulmonary issues and having cabbage operations and chest tubes and these different things. It was, you're seeing people, I mean, it gives me I got goosebumps, but to, to be with somebody at two in the morning that's absolutely scared out of their mind because they don't know what's going on and you're the person there telling them what's going on mm-hmm. in that golden retriever terminology. Yeah. <laughs> like yep. talk to me like I'm a golden retriever. Exactly. I was mentioning that to you before yep. we started the pot, right? <laughs> you know, don't, don't, let's not pontificate here. What's act And they don't want to be lied to. Yeah. That's the last thing they want. Yep. They want the facts and their family wants the facts. Right. I couldn't get enough. I loved it. And so, um, basically I worked there for eight months and, I was doing both construction and during nursing school, my construction business skyrocketed. It was going so well because I actually paid attention to it. Yeah, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like it wasn't like the the business in general got more healthy. It was I actually cared about it. Yeah, and so I had hired one of my classmates with me uh, for that summer, Justin, and he and I worked. He's in some of the videos. Yep. and so we did that summer, and he goes, "Dude, I don't think you understand what you have here. You have a legit business." You know everybody. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, really? I do? Like it was one of those moments. Yep. And so I was working both construction and nursing. It got to a point where I was working nine, 14 days in a row. And just like I'd heard in that lady's testimony, she goes, I used to have choices between bad and worse. Now I have choices between better and best. And my better and best was I need to shelf this for now. And I need to focus on the construction because I put all the jobs I was passing up on a spreadsheet. And I'm like, oh, damn, I'm leaving that much money on the table? <laughs> yeah. I better love nursing, you know? <laughs> and so I, um, I decided to hang it up for now. But I'll keep, I, luckily, I can keep my RN without clinical hours. Yeah. So that's nice. Nice. So nice. I will keep that RN till, yeah. I, di- till I die, yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. And who knows? Maybe I'll go back to it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to ask one last question then. I'm ready. On my side is... Would you say that you are living your dream? Do you love contracting? You've talked a lot about loving nursing, but going down to contracting, do you love it? I really do. I really do. And I probably am more romantic about the nursing because I'm not doing it right now. Mm. Um, I mean, when you're in it, it really can suck. Like you're really drained. Like, and you kind of, you yeah. know, it's like, it's like after you break up with somebody that's super toxic, you're like, oh, yep. that wasn't so bad six <laughs> months later, you know? And you're like, oh, that was bad, you know? But, you know, I'm probably more romantic about the RN piece because it's so new and I'm still doing the construction, but I really do love the construction. I love, all of my kids have been able to help me on job sites and they've been able to tear down a deck. See, that's they've been huge. Able to, dude, it's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. like, that story, like when they're our age and they go, oh, I remember working with my dad and driving in that, exactly. blah, 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 you know, yep. it's amazing. Yep. So yeah, I really do. I really do love it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there a, um, a favorite project of yours that's like a, a highlight or a staple for Dan Trailer of something you put on a brochure or just like a, a project to like, damn, like you say, like that's like that's awesome. Like for, I guess for example, for us, we had a, a patio installed, a stamp patio installed two years ago. 
Um, the contractor was like, this is like my biggest project. Like if I had a brochure, I'd take a picture and put this one on it. Yeah. But I, you probably do a lot. I don't know if there's like one or two that stick out where you're like. No question. Uh, I, was, I, was, I have a maintenance contractor. I've done maintenance work for the Corps of Engineers. And I built a relationship with those guys. And a project came up where they needed a new fence installed around down on Park Point where the barge sits. Not the, oh. coast, not the Coast Guard cutter, but yep. the barge. And they needed to have that fenced in. And it was it's a historical property, so it needs to match historical specifications. So it had to be a custom-built fence, had to have pickets, had to be black, had to be, and it was all iron. It was, and we're talking, oh man, I don't want to guess, but it was a lot of linear feet of, of fencing. And he said, do you want to put your hat in the ring? And I said, sure. And it's a quarter million dollar project. Like this could sink me if this goes bad. Yeah. Like this will take a long time to recover from if this shits the bed. And, uh, but it didn't. And the welder that I used, shout out to Northern Welding, amazing work. Nice. He built all the fence panels and I worked out the payment system with the government. And um, so I can legit drive and there was there's security entrances there's keypads that they can get in there's a, a lift gate a hmm. security lift gate that was installed that I put in and there's some videos on Facebook of that project they're yeah. probably further down uh, the feed but that one I would say is I really went out on a That's limb I worked with other people and it it worked nice that was cool all the way from your buddy telling you I, I wish I had some of the tools that you did to doing that type of project like that's Built this whole podcast. That's been a really cool, mm. cool story to hear. Right on. Yeah. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, wants you to come and do some work, how do they get a hold of you? You can search my name or the company name on Facebook, um, Dan Trailer with T-R-A-Y-L-O-R, or that Capic Inc., which basically doesn't mean anything. It's kind of like Xerox. We try to keep it generic. So K-A-P-I-K, you can search for that. It's capicinc.com, my website. Very simple and uh, has my phone number on there. Phone number is the best. So find that. Give me a call. Awesome. Well, thanks, Dan. We appreciate it. This has been awesome. Thank you, guys, for sure. And that is the end of the episode. Thank you, everyone. Hopefully, you were able to pull some great information out of this conversation. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes. Please be sure to like and follow at Fighting Fire Podcast. Have a great day.